1: Hello and welcome to Insight Out. My name is Billy Samoa Salivi and I'm your host. Through interviews and case studies, I examine how transformational insights have helped propel the lives and careers of exceptionally successful people. These major breakthrough moments teach valuable lessons that will help us in business and in life. My first guest is Toby Corey, a personal mentor of mine. And if you missed part one of this interview, you could find it on your favorite podcast platform or by visiting us on our website, insightoutshow.com. As I mentioned on the first show, Toby's a serial entrepreneur responsible for managing three different billion dollar businesses, including two successful IPOs and the merger of SolarCity into Tesla, where I had the pleasure of reporting to him. He currently sits on the board of multiple companies and lectures on the subject of entrepreneurship at Stanford. During part two of our conversation, we cover many fascinating topics, including why he believes it's critically important to build an open network, what he means when he says people should get off of the zombie path, the common mistake people make when they first get up in the morning, and why following your passion may actually be the wrong way to think. We even explore the meaning of life and the unanswered question of where our consciousness actually exists. This show is jam-packed, full of insights like these and others, so let's get into part two of my conversation with Toby Corey on Inside Out. One of the insights that you've cited as sort of a, a awakening for you is the concept of being a polymath or a person who has a wide ranging set of skills and knowledge sets, as opposed to being kind of the traditional person that has a deep understanding of one singular area of, of discipline or a field of expertise. You know, when you discover this about yourself, and do you think that's something that is advice that you would give to others or, or where do you stand in, in that respect?
0: Yeah, so I've absolutely changed my thinking over the last 10 years for sure. Was always of this traditional thinking and that, you know, basically do one thing, get really good at it, stay in one swim lane and don't deviate from that particular discipline. It also was my thinking around, you know, even thinking about whether it's a new company or investment strategies, which was always this very single-threaded mindset. And another great educator came into our classroom, Nassim Tlaib. He wrote the book, The Black Swan, and wrote another very technical book called Optionality. And the thinking is entirely different. It's how you start and spawn many, many things and really inspire your creativity. So it was the exact opposite of how I'd really been thinking about that. And I'll give you an example of that. When I you know, first had the opportunity to meet Lyndon Rive, who was the CEO and co-founder of Solar City. I remember sitting down talking to him. And when I was talking to Lyndon, I knew absolutely nothing about energy. I knew nothing about solar. Matter of fact, you know, if you showed me my electricity bill, It'd be like reading Greek, like I don't understand what's, you know, what is a, a a kilowatt and how much electricity I didn't understand it at all. And there was these terms that I began to learn when I came to Solar City, like an azimuth. And I thought azimuth was basically like Gesunteike. Um, <laughs> would you sneeze? And so, but the opportunity to have this naivete and thinking in this polymath sort of way of like, man, yes, it's going to be a challenge. And it, without a doubt, Solar City was probably one of the greatest intellectual challenges of my career, but that's where the restless soul began to quench its thirst, to learn about this great business, learn about how the, the federal tax credit worked and how that laced its way through a power purchase agreement or a lease product that we have, and really like get excited and get motivated. It started with you know, being having my eyes opened with Doctor Richard Leakey, and then that being able to fulfill that dream and parlay that at an opportunity at Solar City to do something on a really grand scale, do something that was really something I deeply believed in with an incredible mission, and that polymath just sort of is and this optionality way of thinking also has driven me into a new platform that I'm going to beginning to build, which is really this concept called open networks, and we've all talked about the power and how important it is to have a great network and have great mentors in your life. Those are what create set points in life. Those those are what open up your mind. Those are what inspires creativity. And I attribute a lot of the success that I've had exactly to that. But the problem with today's paradigms um, around networking and mentorship is they keep you in the exact same swim lane. So if you go on LinkedIn today, and you all of a sudden start you know, reaching out to people that you didn't work with they don't know you. If they say they don't know you and the system generates enough of those, you get a warning from LinkedIn. Hey, don't be reaching out to people you don't know. And the same was true for Facebook. So they literally, if you're just going to connect with the same people with the same thinking, you're not going to drive any more creative thinking. You're just going to basically narrow your neuroplasticity. You're going to do the same thing over and over again. And it's really about how do we expand that? How do we change that paradigm into this concept of open networks? And Forbes Magazine and Steve Jobs and several data scientists got together, I think it was around 2011 or 2012, and they were looking at, you know, what was the one real single attribute that separated people that were not only successful in life, but happy in life and fulfilled in life? And what they found through the data was that the individuals that were happy in life, fulfilled in life, successful in their life, successful in their career, Had built open networks. People from all diverse walks of life, diverse sets of thinking, diverse sets of background. And Steve Jobs is one of the, you know, uh, way ahead of his time. When he created Apple, most companies just went out and hired engineers, right? And Steve, the core tenant of the Apple brand was thinking differently, challenging the status quo. He went out and hired great artists great musicians. Steve actually studied calligraphy in college, right? And it was really that diverse set of thinking and really creating kind of this first open culture network company that separated Apple. Before he died, he created the world's most valued company. And it was really that diverse set of thinking. So I'm working on a really unique algorithm and application that's really all about how do we go and build these open networks? And creativity is just a a factor of like, How many basically unique dots can you start to connect? If I've only got four or five dots, then I'm gonna be as creative as those dots that are in my universe. If I've got lots of new dots that countries all over the world, different points of view, different industries, different thinking... That's how you expand the human mind. That's how you you, you tap into this infinite creative capability and power that you have. So lots of cool stuff I'm working on, and man, what a time to be alive!
1: I love it, and and there's so much to unpack there. Let, let's start with the status quo, and you know it's so funny you brought up Apple because that was literally exactly what I was thinking about because <laughs> you know Steve Jobs when he came back and they came up with their first advertising campaign. It was the Think Differently campaign, and that really set the trajectory for Apple from when he came back onward. And so you, you said, and I love this quote, that the status quo is stronger than gravity. And so you've talked earlier on the show about the zombie path, which is really the path of many, which everyone goes down sort of mindlessly down the path that they're quote unquote supposed to go down. What's your suggestion for those that may be thinking they're supposed to go a certain direction? You have another idea in mind that would help. What, what is that idea?
0: Yeah. So look, whether it's intentional or not, we as human beings typically fall into the same exact pattern. So whether it's going to college, getting a job, and if you start, and I think in my Stanford talk, if those that want to take a look at that actually break some of those statistics and those numbers down and how much time you really have to explore new ideas and really be creative. And- That status quo is stronger than gravity and you're sucked into a working environment. These large corporations and the board members and the CEOs and the CXOs harvest massive amounts of wealth out of that while you're just a cog in the machine. And that's the path of many. That's a zombie life. You literally are doing what every other person is doing. You have this incredible ability. i probably said it a million times on your show, this infinite ability to create. That's not how you create. So let me just give a few examples and to start having your audience members really think about things a little bit differently. So the first thing is, these are all kind of super straightforward and simple, but how many of your listeners get up in the morning and grab their phone and start thumbing through their email? And remember, that's the first thing they do in the morning, right? Do you have a ritual? How do you set your mind up for the day, right? Are there any affirmations that you've put together? So I don't touch any technology when I get up in the morning. Whether I decide to have a tea or a coffee or just walk around the block or a walk in nature or walk on the beach, I want to clear my mind and get focused on what my day is going to be about today. That's an important way of starting, right? Because starting is everything. And from there, I journal. I used to think it was dumb. And uh, lo and behold, it's the most amazing. My daughter started doing it and she was telling me how powerful it is. And they don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be religious about it every single day. I do a fair amount of journaling about how I'm thinking about things, the types of things I want to try and accomplish or what have you, some personal things that I may write down in my journal. The other important piece is like, you have to get enough sleep. Your brain will not work Ugh. if you are burning it at both ends. So important. So getting enough sleep, getting yourself set up in the morning without all the distractions and all not all the brain pollution that I talked about, finding a little bit of time during the day to journal. I typically do it in the morning or before I go to bed. And then just taking care of yourself, like doesn't mean you have to be a crazy nutritionist, but start eating better foods, right? You can still have that steak and you know the quarter pounder with cheese if you want, but get more whole foods, less processed foods in your diet. That's really easy to do. It's super straightforward to do and just get some exercise, whatever that might be, a bike, a walk, like going to the gym, cool. And you start to incorporate that into your life. And that gets you set up to start thinking differently versus a zombie that's burning it at both ends, that gets up on the iPhone, sucks down five cups of coffee, running to work, and literally spending no time on themselves, healing yourself, focusing on yourself, building your confidence, getting connected with something far greater than than you as a human being. So- That's the type of thinking that I think starts to shift this thinking and getting us set up to tap into some of the greatest ideas, some of the greatest thinking, and some of the coolest uh, new companies and be a change agent, right?
1: Yeah. It's so powerful because you touched on something that I've heard multiple successful people highlight as as a, a catalyst for their day starting off right. And that first and foremost is voiding the technology, right? Your phone is gonna be the immediate thing you you grab. And it's just a habit like anything else. You, you get used to doing it and then it just becomes the norm. Well, it's about adjusting and changing your habit. You highlighted some of the habits and rituals that you have. Wondering if we could kind of explore what else you do on a regular basis. I know you're an avid surfer. I know you're really connected to water. In fact, I just downloaded the book, I think it's called Blue Sky, or, but I can't remember it now. But it's all about water and just how vastly important it is to have water in our lives. So I'm sure those, those are some of the things. But what else from a ritual standpoint Do you do on a regular basis?
0: Yeah. So let me touch on that because that was another set point in my life. I got to meet Dr. Jay Wallace, who wrote the book Blue Mind. And I was up in Pescadero several years ago and I ran across this book and I read the cover and it said, ever wonder why you enjoy being in or around water? And I said, oh yeah, man, like I'm super like love water, like what's going on here? And he did his PhD in the study of water on the brain. And it was a fascinating book. You're going to love it. I encourage any of your readers out there that love being in or around water, go pick up Jay's book. It's it's absolutely fantastic. And he explains the the science around that. But if you think about that for a second, you know your body is over ninety percent water. Anyway, our planet is over seventy percent water. It is an incredible, abundant ingredient to life. We couldn't live without water. And for me personally, you know, surfing is my zen. It's an opportunity for me to get out on that board. There's no houses out in the ocean, and I think about our oceans are two to three billion years old, and When I'm sitting on that board and feeling this beautiful baptism of the Pacific Ocean here in Santa Cruz, and when I have the opportunity to get on a wave and ride that, the euphoria that I feel—it's just magical. My head's clear. It's one of the most amazing times to be creative. I typically make journal when I get off of my surfboard, and then at the very end, because I'm getting old now, and I don't want to paddle back in, I try and find a wave that can take me all the way to shore. And before I get to shore, I get this immense feeling in my body that I'm at the right place at the right time in my life right now. And it's such a magical feeling. My body feels completely aligned with the universe. The trillion cells I have in my body feel all part of nature. And then if I'm really lucky, I'll run around the corner and get a cold pressed juice and then throw my wetsuit in my truck and I'll drive up to this Buddhist place here in SoCal called the Land of Medicine. And that's where it was an old logging area and it's a Buddhist sanctuary now. And walking in these ancient grove of redwoods and seeing the entire cycle of life there plants and leaves that have died and on the ground, nourishing new saplings and new seedlings to grow, midlife trees and, and brush and nature. It, it is the most amazing thing. It's, it's hard for me to even put, the, put that in words. So as I think about that, and your readers and, and your listeners out there, it's that how do you stop doing the exact same things? that seven billion or seven and a half billion other people are also doing on the same daily basis. It's being able to unplug from that. And it's little things. I used to play guitar in college. haven't played in a while. Last week, I decided I want to get back and start playing some guitar again. So I just started doing some research, trying to find some good teachers. And that's the other thing that I'd recommend. If you're going to do something or invest some time and energy, work on doing it the very best. Don't half-ass anything, Right. Put your heart and your soul and energy into being the best that you can do because people think like, oh, follow your passion. That's actually wrong. Follow things that you really love to do that you want to invest energy on. Like we all have unique skills and abilities. Everyone, every person has a unique talent. And if you haven't found it yet, then start exploring. Find that because when you find the things that you're good at, that's what you become passionate about, not the other way around. And for me, it's like, But you got to put yourself out there. You got to try. I've even thought about painting. I'll make another confession. When I was in the 70s in high school, I remember watching John Travolta and Saturday Night Fever. And I was so inspired by that. And what it really did, though, was I, I remember, you know, I was on the chess team, kind of a nerdy kid in high school, and it just changed my confidence about myself. And I went with a good friend of mine and a junior in high school, he and I took disco dance lessons. And it was just, it was so empowering. And, you know, I was wearing the bell bottom, the Italian horn, you know, trying to look like Tony Manero there. But it was the confidence building of that, you know, was so awesome. And I just put my heart and soul into that. And I was thinking about my wife's been a great dancer. I probably get two left feet now, but, you know, find those things that challenge your brain, that expand the neuroplasticity and whatever it is, painting dancing, writing poetry, playing guitar lessons again. I've been thinking of playing the saxophone. Like that's where all that matches. It's like focusing. So yes, there's some time in like where you're resolved and you're meditating and blocking everything out. And then there are times I'm like, hey man, I'm going to go and put myself out there. I want to explore all facets of what this planet has to offer, what humanity has to offer. And even like this Entrepreneur Life Symposium series, like most people like, oh, I can't get any speakers. And how are you going to do it? I built my own website. I had to learn how to do that. And like, I felt good about doing that, investing the time and energy and accomplishing great stuff. And you're going to find some stuff, you know, I don't really like doing that, but you tried, right? Yep. And like, so think about like, what goals can you set this month and next month and expand your thinking, expand your consciousness, right? And part of this entrepreneur life philosophy is around three, you know, think of a three-dimensional graph. So along the y-axis is all about how you expand human consciousness, right? And I talked about that on This Entrepreneur Life, and I gave an example of you know bringing the audience members back to the home that they grew up in. And I had them kind of lay in their bed, and I wanted them to vividly think about that. And they all was like they were there. They could remember the color of their room. They could remember the furniture in the room. They could remember the color of their bedspread, the fabric, the feel of their bedspread, whether they had carpeting or not. And that thought and that memory, no one knows where that exists. No one. Science has not proven where any of your thinking or any consciousness really exists. Now I have some theories on probably enough time to get into quantum physics and unified field theory right now, but really all about how do you expand human consciousness? And I spend a lot of time, sometimes it's through spirituality, taking a walk in nature, there's transcendental meditation, there's so many ways to expand human consciousness. And then across the x-axis is really all about wisdom. Well, what is wisdom? Well, wisdom is first am I acquiring the right knowledge, and then how do I apply that knowledge that turns into wisdom. So that's creating open networks, expanding with people. You know, reading diverse things, not just the same stuff inside. Now, being kind of polymath about that. And I've never been a really good you know kind of artist or graphic designer. I'm learning about UX. I want to build this app that you and I are talking about. And then the third dimension is just all about action. So, am I sitting in there feeling sorry for myself, deciding little just to start eating a little bit better, maybe a little bit more exercise in my life, a skill or something that I've been thinking about doing that's creative? It just starts there. Get on that path because you're on the zombie path right now. And what I talk about is that where the real magic comes in is like, get on the path of none, right? Getting on the path of none is seeing what others can't, doing what others won't and leading like others will not do. And that basic concept, like the path of none, that's where the magic of life lies, Billy.
1: You must be reading my notes because literally on my page (laughs) is path of none and talking about quantum mechanics, super string theory, and unified field theory. And you know, I know it would take hours to fully explore that realm, but maybe maybe if you could just give us a highlight on what you've learned in in terms of quantum mechanics and, and the super string theory and unified field theory and how it applies to you know, what, what we're talking about today.
0: Yeah. So most of us are very familiar with, you know, sort of Newtonian physics and all the amazing work that Albert Einstein did in the, in the field of uh, relativity. And there's a new emerging exotic science around quantum mechanics, which is what happens at the subatomic level and where, you know, we're really exploring like what is really reality. Reality for a mockingbird versus you versus a snake that can see in infrared. It's, it's all different. And uh, underlying all of that is this fascinating new science around quantum mechanics, which is the study at the subatomic level. And there's some really interesting experiments that have taken place in Schrodinger's cat. And I talked about sort of superposition, which is where a particle can be in the same spot the same place at the same time. And that's what you know. quantum computing is all about, where today traditional computing is all about the binary system and things are either a zero or a one, they're either on or they're off. Well, what happens when they can be in both positions at the same time? And the study also focused on a really interesting phenomenon where when a subatomic particle is being witnessed, it behaves differently, whether it becomes a wavelength or it actually composes down into a particle. And there's a famous physicist, and I would encourage all of your listeners to look him up on YouTube. There's, there's so many of them out there, but John Hagelin, I think, really comes to mind. He's the head of the Transcendental Metal Meditation Organization that, that was founded by a famous Indian guru, and David Lynch. And he breaks it down in a far deeper scientific study than, than is beyond my, my intellectual thinking. But you know, I've studied it enough to be dangerous and start to really understand and think about the possibilities of what this sort of unified field theory is all about, where does consciousness really exist there, and the meaning of life and and so little that we we don't know about the universe, I think the secrets are held in this area of quantum mechanics so it's a fascinating field it's t- it's tied into you know helping me open up my mind, exploring my creative consciousness, and I just think about you know every day like how am I expanding in consciously, how am I expanding my knowledge? How am I expanding my actions all around? You know, inspiring creativity and for greater good.
1: Thank you, and, and, and I, I really think that you know, obviously, this is a realm that we could we could explore. I mean, the meaning of life. I mean, how much more vast <laughs> can you get? Uh, but in the spirit of, of of kind of moving towards a place where we can provide some real tactical advice for our listeners. I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then we'll get into the lightning round, which is just a series of of fun questions to to end our show on. Before we get there, I I do want to highlight a few areas of advice, some of which I personally have taken to heart when we work together. The first of which is this concept of having your own personal board of directors, (laughs) I absolutely love that concept. When I first heard it, it just like boom, like a light bulb connected with everything that I that I believe in. And maybe maybe it stems from my own insecurities. I don't know, but I love asking for feedback. I relish feedback, and I think some people are maybe more resistant to feedback. But I'm fortunate in my life that I do have my own personal board of directors. So even as I've launched this podcast, I've leveraged the connections and and the friendships really that I have with the people that are close to me. And it's been so valuable to get their feedback, to get their insights, to get their encouragement, and to also get their advice. But I wonder, like, when did you first come up with this concept and how have you applied it in your own life?
0: Yeah, I wish I could take credit for it, but that would be unfair of me. So the concept actually came from my youngest daughter, Jordan. She lives down in Venice Beach. She went to UCSB and she's really an old soul. I, I definitely think she's walked on this planet in some prior life, but very much into new age thinking. And was, I want to say maybe 10 years ago, she was still at college and I was down there visiting her, my wife and I, and I was thinking as I, I often do. And she literally coined this term, like dad's got his own personal board of directors in his head. And she's <laughs> like, I, I want to know who the chairman is today. Is it Zen Toby? Is it cage fighter Toby? Is it hard charging entrepreneur Toby? Is it surfer Toby? Like, which director is the chairman of, of the board today? And, I, and that actually sucked. And I started thinking about that and kind of this trajectory of my life and everything from like having had a chance to work for a guy like Elon Musk and got to train with UFC world champion Frank Shamrock and like everything else in between that. And that, you know, creating the the fabric of Toby Corey and how to constantly literally reinvent myself almost every day. And I'll give you another great example. So I look back on on my most recent set of careers, you know, two years at Solar City and then w- one year at Tesla. And I just recently left Autodesk after six months. And I was had this like antiquated thinking of like, oh, you know, I'm super competitive. I love to win. I love to compete. I love the spirit of competition. And I'm I'm hard charging. But at the same time, I have been thinking differently about my time at Stanford, which was like, oh, I have to just keep working at these large companies and bring all this experience into the classroom. And that's my magic. I'm like, that was just BS thinking. Like I have so much more to offer. This thinking that I had was just stupid. And it was really all about this narrow thinking competitiveness. And it's like, well, I'm not really happy in working with these large companies. I love working with smaller companies. I love working on more entrepreneurial endeavors, although the, the, the failure rate is off the chart that's what i'm passionate about doing that's what i love doing so i'm like why am i following this you know sort of fictitious value that i'm trying to create that i bring into stanford when it's just like really really bad thinking and i just shifted my thinking on that and i think that really comes from this you know concept of like meeting new people getting so many points of view into your thinking and taking the best parts of that and knitting that, you know, into the unique fabric of Billy Salibi or Toby Corey or any one of your other hosts or guests and making that unique. And like what you don't want to do is completely follow someone else. Like mm. there's certain things when I'm reading a book or meeting with someone like, "Oh yeah, that really resonates with me, but how do I make it better? How do I make it for me?" And or how do I say, "No, that's not really it at all, but it inspired me to think, you know, differently a- a- across that that t- that type of dimension, right?" And so this concept of having kind of your own personal board of directors is really, really powerful, and it can be used as such an amazing sort of mental concept of being able to get you thinking in the right area, whether it needs to focus or you need to defocus at that time. And I would challenge all of your listeners out there. like, if you don't have a personal board of directors, put one together. What does that look like? Are you connecting with your personal board of directors? And they don't have to be, you know, sort of real people. They can be folks that either aren't here today, or other knowledge that you that you've acquired. You could fire board members, bring new board members on, expand your board, contract your board. But it's a really powerful concept that has really changed my life over the last decade.
1: Yeah, man, that's that's so cool. I, I didn't know the background, and, and, and kudos <laughs> to Jordan for for coming up there with you that go. concept. So, so, so as we think, and you mentioned before, this sort of open networks. Uh, philosophy and, and, and approach that you're using with entrepreneurship and the program that you've created, what advice do you have for somebody that does want to open up their swim lane? The, the, they don't just want to stay with the kind of normal people that they're supposed to be associating with, but they want to expand. They want to have more diversity in their life of, of thoughts and opinions. What advice would you have for somebody that wants to open that up?
0: Yeah. So it's a really simple concept. You just have to ask. So uh, I'm amazed when I'm in college, uh, when I'm teaching, and the sheer number of folks. So first, I sort of look at like, okay, who's really serious about this course, and you know, is really looking to expand themselves. And I just sort of look at like how many of the students reach out and want to connect with me on LinkedIn because that's a beginning point, right? Like having a network is the most powerful thing, and the most important thing that you, need, you all need to build out because we all rely on one another. We're all connected, but having a really strong personal network and business network is a really important factor of being successful in life. And then I look at those students that really want to advance and springboard themselves. And it's really all about one simple concept. It's taking initiative. So those that reach out, hey, Professor Corey, I want to have coffee with you. I want to run an idea by you. Or can you help me out with this or help me out with that? Those students who have... They're like a sponge. And that's why I've sort of thought about my life is like, I'm still learning. I'm probably learning more now than I ever have in my life because I'm opening up my mind to concepts in the past where I either wasn't ready from a maturity standpoint or wasn't ready intellectually. And I'm all about focusing on learning at a higher capacity every single day, next week, next month, next year. So it really is all about that initiative. And you're not going to get anything done in life if you don't put that first step forward you don't pick up that phone. You don't write that email. You don't initiate what you want out of life, and actually ask for it, and actually go for it, and put the energy and effort into doing that. And it's crazy. It sounds so simple, I'm like, well, that's kind of dumb advice. So, I'd be like, everyone should do that. And I'm amazed at how many people really don't take that first initiative, really put themselves out there, right? And I tell the students, like, hey, the first day of class, like, I'm all about. You're going to come out of here. You're going to be more confident about yourself. And I'll tell you right now, like entrepreneurship is the universe wide and the universe deep. There's, there's unlimited stuff that I, I'm still learning and I'm never going to be, you know, there's no master or no one that's an expert on it because the world's just, change, just changing so, so rapidly. When you put yourself out there and take that initiative, that's when doors start to open for you. That's when you start to create your own future. That's when you start to, to create, get on the path of none. So take that initiative, go for what you want to get to. Don't be afraid. Don't be bashful put yourself out there, fail and embrace those times of failure, embrace those times of challenge. And that's where, as I said, where I've gotten the most inspiration is when shit is going sideways and like, Hey, I've got to, I can either let this consume me or my mindset is more powerful than anything on this planet. I can create whatever I want. Sometimes having the hardship of losing a job is sometimes the best thing for you because it sets you off on on a path that you never imagined that I guarantee you is going to be the best thing for you. When I started my company, you know, it ended up being really, really successful, but I took a massive risk. I left a great paying job. It was really secure. We didn't have our funding lined up yet. I had two kids in school. I had no money in the bank, right? But it was, you know, and I remember another time where I also tell my students that we're going to focus on how to become better writers. We're going to learn how to become better speakers because part of your 40% of your grade is speaking in the class. And a lot of us have this phobia of speaking in public and we all had it. I remember when I was in college, I was on the wrestling team there and I took this public speaking course and the guy that taught it, Dr. Hawkins, and he was the debate coach. And he just like filleted us. Like I remember (laughs) doing these terrible speeches and he would like just critique you in front of the entire classroom. Like, oh, and he had this pipe. Oh, Mr. Corey, were you on a boat uh, giving your speech? Because you walked like (laughs) 80 times during your talk. I counted how many ums and ahs. And it's like, I want to become, you know, as a product manager, I, I want to become a better public speaker. And I, this other great mentor that I worked with, Walt Feigenson at Ashton Tate, and he's like, go home the time that these, you know, VCR cassette tapes, record yourself doing your presentation on your product and come in and I'm gonna work on it with you. And it was like, it was so bad. And what I learned is like everyone sucks at everything they start out at. Matter of fact, I was watching this Eagles documentary and Glenn Fry talked about songwriting. And he actually uh, early started his career with Bob Seger, like playing guitar there. And he wanted to learn to become a great songwriter. And they were living in LA and below him in the apartment was Jackson Brown. And he remembers like, they'd be out all night. And then he'd hear at nine in the morning, every morning, Jackson Brown on that piano. He heard the teapot go off. His tea mm-hmm. would, so he, Jackson Brown had his ritual. He'd have his tea. He'd go over to the piano. And I think it was like, Dr. My Eyes, I forgot the name of the song, but he kept playing one verse over and over and over and over and over and over again. And Glenn Fry thought to himself like, ah, oh, that's how you do it. It's elbow grease because the first stuff that you do is going to suck everything you do is going to suck, right? So like, hey, I'm interested in this. I think I can be good at it. I'm going to put some effort and energy. And I'm going to get better and better at that, right? So, And it's there's some great techniques that I learned from you know speakers, right? Like, hey, you just don't go out there and wing it. Think about your opening. Think about your close. What's your point of view? What are your key messages? And like, You put effort into it. You rehearse it and you practice. That's how you get good at shit, right? So put the effort in, right? Put that first foot forward. Go fail at some stuff and find strength in failures and challenges in your life.
1: And just start, as you said. I mean, often the most difficult step is just starting and gaining that courage and confidence to take the initiative and and just being a bit vulnerable. Even though you were at the top of my list of people for my (laughs) podcast, you know, I've recorded about 10 podcasts before this, even though this is the first one I'm going to air. And partially because I knew I was going to be making some mistakes and failing and and stammering my way through, but also partially because there's that inner doubt or inner insecurity. Like, what if he says no? Or what if he doesn't want to do it? Or what if he's too busy? You gotta push that aside and you gotta you gotta gain the confidence and the courage to to ask. Cause often the answer will be yes. And but often if you don't ask, or always if you don't ask, the answer is no. When when I think about the people that listen to this show, they're gonna be professionals working for a company that wanna advance their career. It's gonna be business leaders that want to become better leaders to their teams, or it's gonna be entrepreneurs that are going out on their own and and making something happen that hasn't happened before. And so I wonder what advice you would have to the audience as you just think maybe an entrepreneur just getting started out or a leader just taking on a a meaty new role. What advice would you have for them to be successful and to take the kind of steps necessary to, to grow in their own right?
0: Yeah. Okay. So two-part answer. Number one, and if you want, I will give you the MP4 file for this Entrepreneur Life video. It's only three minutes long and it goes over the main principles of that. So I think a lot of the magic sits right there. And if you start to adopt some of those and also like, hey, maybe some of your listeners have different ones or different. And I'd love that. Like I said, this is just a, st- a start of a conversation. There are far smarter people in the world than, than Toby Corey for sure. But to get practical with you and you you and I talked about this when I came back from my second tour of duty which is that you know whether it's an, an entrepreneurial endeavor or you're working for a company there's three really critical pieces to making it successful and the first one is just obsession over the product like i don't care how good your sales department is or your brand is or your marketing is like if your product sucks then nothing else matters right it's creating and obsessing over an amazingly awesome product. And the company I just was at was actually this company, Plan Grid, that got bought by Autodesk. And the CEO there, Tracy Young, she spoke at Stanford. That's where I met her. So again, talk about the power of building a network, right? And she had been calling me to, to join there. It just wasn't the right time. She's like, look, we just got acquired. We want to build a billion-dollar software business. And I think this is right up your alley. And I, even though I only stayed there for six months, I learned a ton. I made so many great relationships there and have never run a $100 million SaaS business before. So I had the opportunity to do that. I'd never run a software business in the construction industry. I got to learn and do that, right? But what really resonated me was really having the why and the mission that, is really what creates magic. So Tracy used to be an engineer. She did quality control, quality assurance. She'd go into buildings and she had these big plan sets that were the size of a big desk, like 3,000 sheets. She'd walk into the, the new construction and mark these blueprints up with stuff that was wrong and needed to be fixed. Like This is crazy. Like We live in an era where information age, all this should be digitized. Why isn't it? And then the iPad was invented. And that gave her the inspiration go, oh, this is the right form factor where I can actually create an amazing software tool that can solve this massive problem. Because laptops just don't work in a construction site. Even these rugged ones that have the keyboard covered with plastic on it, they don't work. And it started out slow. She never gave up on that, but she focused on three main things. First of all, she knew the life of a construction worker was hard. These are blue collar workers, They don't have a lot of tools of how to become more efficient, more productive, because what she wanted to do was give them a transformational tool that allowed them to do their job faster, better, so they could spend more time at home with their kids, helping with homework, going to soccer practice, or just not having to work. And that was like, that inspired me. What an incredible, you're in the construction industry and you're focused on a great tool for humanity. It just shows that you can create an amazing vision and why no matter what business that you're in, but it didn't stop there. The magic of it was she obsessed over what she called simple, beautiful software that made the day in a life for a construction worker better. And that was it. That's all she did. And so she created a tool that is revered by our customers. We have the highest net promoter scores of like the most amazing brands you could ever imagine because she focused on making it so easy to use, not just packing every feature in there. How do you create this magical experience that really solves a problem and the product is really... Fun, easy, and simple to use. And these are guys that aren't really technology litter, right? A lot of them stuff, AOL accounts. And the product was a massive hit. She built a company worth 80, you know, sold it for $900 million, almost a billion dollars a unicorn, Sequoia-backed venture. And so I would encourage all of your listeners to never stop innovate. That's what I learned from Elon, the most amazing in the weeds guy, roll up your sleeves and obsesses over, and he talks about it. I you know, I want products that are sexy, that that literally delight our customers. And he obsesses every day over that. So that's an important part. And then the other side of that, which you know working with me is I'm all about the perfect customer experience. Are you obsessing over the customer experience? Are you going the extra mile? That's what PlanGrid did. That's what Tesla did. That's what SolarCity did. Really took care of its customers, Right. And really focused on creating, you know, a culture there where you could recruit and maintain the very best talent because you're only as good as as your people. So if you're not retaining your best people and you can't recruit the best people, guess what? You're going to have a mediocre company. And I don't know about you, but my guess is that your listeners are interested in changing the world. They're interested in doing transformational things. They don't want to be status quo, right? They want to be in the cutting edge. They want to be innovating. And like, so you want to be working in a place that rewards that. When working in a place that obsesses over understanding where the market's going, how to create truly great products, how to create amazing customer experience, how to create great culture, even if your macro culture at the company isn't exactly what you want, then like, how can you be a change agent? How can you run your organization or try and inspire leaders there to focus on building an extraordinary culture? Right. So. Companies fail for one of three reasons. One, they're not really solving a real problem. Either it wasn't a problem to begin with or the product just didn't hit the mark. And I've started companies that have failed miserably in that area. Or two, you have the wrong people on the bus and they're sitting in the wrong seat. So getting the right people on the bus and the, and the right people sitting in the right seat is critical. And then obviously being able to capitalize your company, being able to raise the necessary working capital so that you can grow, hire better engineers, hire more salespeople, hire great HR people and legal people and finance people and all the great, you know, talent that you need to to build a great organization. And then lastly, like making sure that you're investing in systems so you can scale the business. And those are some really good practical advices to, you know, those startups fail for three reasons. They don't get the product market fit, they have the wrong people there, or they run out of money.
1: Yeah. And and, and to your point, probably the number one thing that I took away from the experience of, of working with you directly was your incredible passion for the customer experience. And, and, and it, that doesn't mean that to your first point that you can't not think about the product because if you care about the customers, you must create the right product, the product that is needed, that's solving a, some sort of a problem and obsessing over how to make that product so amazing that people gravitate to it naturally. And then beyond that is making sure that the customer experience on the back end is perfect through having the right systems in place and making sure you have the right people that will help that customer experience be as world-class as it should be. So all all sage advice. I I have two questions before we get into the lightning round, and then then we'll wrap up here. But I'm just so grateful for our time today. The, The first question is... You shared something that, that, I, that I relate to quite, quite deeply, which is you've discovered that the true prize is the journey, and that that's ultimately where the magic is. So not, not necessarily the destination, or the end result, but really the journey itself is where it's at. What, when did you learn this, and how did you come to this sort of insight?
0: Mm, so that was probably ugh, at least 10 to 15 years ago. And I recall just sort of this restless spirit that was just never satisfied. It's like, oh, like if I make this much money, then I'm going to be there. And if I get this job, then I'm going to be there and this and this and, and these material things in life. And what you find is that it just never stops. You get to that next thing and there's the next thing that you have to do. And there's the next thing that you have to do. And it was really unfulfilling. And I felt there, there was just void And so you're rushing through to get to that milestone when the magic is getting there. Like the magic is like, what journey did you take? What path did you take to get there? What did you learn? What were the trials? What were the tribulations? And you come to realize like, that's what life's really about. And that's what we talked about as part of this show is like the more experiences that you can get in, that's what creates richness in life. That's what creates creative thinking. That's what creates all the magic that's there versus doing the same thing, the same experiences, the same conversation, the same stuff that you do day in and day out. And it was that, you know, part of I started, I grew up in a super heavy Roman Catholic family. I'm on my mother's side. I went to parochial schools all through, you know, starting from fifth grade all through high school. And there were some great things about the Catholic faith. And there are some things that I didn't like about the Catholic faith, but it kind of set me on this journey to broaden my, my spirituality. I began studying Buddhism. I began studying Eastern religion philosophy. And you know, part of what challenged me with the, the Roman Catholic faith was that, you know, first of all, I could never reconcile like the Old Testament and the New Testament. So the New Testament, which is about Jesus's teachings, which really resonate with me, compassion focusing on those that are less fortunate in life, being a good person. And like those teachings like really, really resonated with me. And then I tried to contrast that with the heart, the the old Testament, an eye for an eye. And it was like, these things are polar opposite one another. It's like, just didn't jive. Then this other concept of like, oh, everyone's born with original sin. And that also like was a really hard pill to swallow. Like, what do you mean you're born with original sin? I've got a grandson as a year and a half old. That means tell me he has original sin. Like a new baby's born with original sin. Like that made no sense either. And lastly, it was like, wow, I do believe in a greater being and a greater power. I don't know what it is, but as I said, you and I talked a little bit about the universe and the richness of of planet Earth and the magic of planet Earth. So it's hard not to think that there's some intelligence there that we're not part of. And this fact that like, well, I've got to go into this confessional and tell this priest my sins in order to, to get salvation, like that doesn't make any sense either. Like, I can talk directly to the creator and the universal power if I want. And set me on you know, this, this path of, you know, of greater thinking and striving to be better in life. And early on, after having a lot of success, I felt I was too materialistic. I thought I had a pretty big ego and it wasn't through you know having a couple failed startups that sort of knocked you know knocked me back a few pegs and said hey man like wealth isn't about you know how many houses you own and the kind of car that you drive and the clothes that you wear and you know as i said like, none of that goes with you when you leave this world what stays the only thing that stays is the person that you are the person that you try to become the contributions that you try to make to society that's all that matters at the end of the day all that other stuff is is really bullshit, so you're striving for all these and and they're important, like don't get me wrong, of course, but they're that's not where the magic is. The real richness of life is in that journey, and when you start to embrace that and you start to understand what it's like to be present and to be in the flow, and like that's where that's what life is really all about, and you you changes your thinking around instead of take 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 I'm getting mine into like how do I give more Mm -hmm. and take less? And it's that simple, pay it forward. And the richness of that and gratitude around that, and there's scientific evidence around what that does to you psychologically of waking up with gratitude and giving more. And there's so much magic there. And that's what I see in this Generation Z. I think they've got all the right raw material and DNA to really go change the world.
1: Yes. Gosh, man. So, so powerful. And so when, when we think about those people that are changing the world, there's one magical secret ingredient that all entrepreneurs have in common. What is that, Toby?
0: Oh, that is grit, brother. So it's having that, you know, it's not EQ, it's not IQ. Matter of fact, the most intelligent people usually aren't that successful in life. And it's that, you know, how bad do you want it? And that's deep inside, right? And that I'm going to find my confidence. I'm going to find my will. I'm going to find my resolve. I'm going to get centered in that. And that every obstacle is manufactured. And where there's obstacles, there's either, I can either decide to go, how to go around it. I can decide to go through it or decide, you know, this isn't really an obstacle at all. It's just an illusion. And why am I stressing and focusing over this? And you start to understand this power that you have. And when you apply that with this concept of grit, where every entrepreneur that's successful, because they've faced existential threats of their company, I'm running out of money, I don't have enough customers, my growth rate isn't where it should be, every investor's telling me this is bad and no. And I remember when I was getting my company funded, over 100 VC meetings were a no. And I could have said, oh, this idea is this idea really good? This is a dumb idea because no one else thinks it's a really good idea. The more no's you get, that's when you know you're on the right path. Mm-hmm. and that is, and, But having that resolve where it only takes one, guess what, the 101st meeting. I love this idea. We want to invest in your company, Toby. It just changed my life, right? But had I quit, I didn't have the resolve for it, um, wasn't passionate about it, I would have failed.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a theme that you hear over and over again from all successful people. Is is that never, you know, never give up attitude. And, and it's not that you don't change or tweak or adjust your approach, because clearly you need to do that as you learn. But it, it's it's this tenacity and this relentless pursuit of getting to where you're you're headed, and you know deeply and at your core, you will get there. And failure is not an option. Yeah, I mean. There will be small challenges and bumps along the way, but you will get there. And if you have that mindset that you can do anything, you really can do anything.
0: Yeah. Well, here's what that mindset does, right? And like you're living proof of that. I remember coming in and, you know, SolarCity was going through a really rough time in 2016. And remember meeting you for the first time and talking about the importance of training and sales enablement. And I knew right away, meeting you that, wow, this guy, like, is so intelligent, has the grit, has the determination and vision, but that that's only part of it. It's how it manifests itself, and that it's you have to you have to project that energy that's infectious, that's inspirational, that feeds the rest of the the room or the organization that you're working with. I knew that right away when I met you is that this energy and passion that you bring hearing you speak and all the amazing stuff that you did there, it was transformational. Company would have not been successful without your incredible leadership in that area, but it was this combination of grit and the Billy Salibi energy that is infectious, that folks that are doubting themselves or doubting the strategy or doubting the plan and to be inspired and and feel your energy in that room, the conviction that you have, that's mind over matter. And that's why you're so successful and why your show is going to be so successful.
1: Thank you. No, that, that means a great deal. And especially coming from you, who I respect so, so deeply. And so with that, Toby, let's, let's get into the lightning round. All right. These are situations, emotions, things that have happened in your life that I'm just going to ask you a question and then just give me your immediately gut response. And the first question is, what excites you?
0: Creativity and passion to change the world and a what I'll call a attitude uh, and a mindset of, I'm going to accomplish this no matter what.
1: Love it. Okay. Well, what scares you? Hmm.
0: I'd be lying if I said that the you know, current political environment wasn't um, troubling and upsetting because I've done a little bit of research on how cults are formed and how extraordinarily bad things happen in humanity. And I'm seeing a lot of that atmosphere right now and it's, um, it's troubling.
1: Yeah, it is frightening <laughs> to say the least. Kind of can't help it. Uh, yeah. yeah, you can't. Yeah.
0: I try not to watch the news anymore, to be honest with you. So, because it really is.
1: You, me, both. Okay. Well, what surprises you?
0: I think what surprises me is how motivated and how passionate Generation Z is to change the world and how talented they are. And I had mentioned it on your show, right? That Parkland shooting where to see how articulate, and how intelligent, how well versed these students were on these really intricate, detailed policy issues around gun control that they knew more than any senator or anybody in the Mm. house of representatives. It was, it was was refreshing. Yeah. So it surprised it, it it blew me away.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it it is uh, it's refreshing. Okay. So if you feel comfortable sharing, when was the last time you cried and why?
0: Uh, Yes. I'll get a little bit deep and personal with you. So two and a half years ago, a really close family member uh, was diagnosed with a very significant health issue. And in all honesty, it's been a lot of crying and a lot of introspection. And on the other side, as I you know talked to my youngest daughter, Jordan, and this philosophy that I have around that, and I told her was that no matter what in life, no matter how many lemons you throw my way, I'm going to make, not lemonade, I'm going to make ice cold lemonade no matter what. And so, yeah, I cry often dealing with this situation. It's, um, it's, it's been not the biggest challenge of my entire life dealing with this. and uh, But in the same token, I have a lot of faith um, that we're going to see through this and see the other side of that. And if you find the magic in it, and it has changed my life, and it has had just such a profound impact on me in a positive way, despite some of the, some of the tears and some yeah. of the emotional times around that. Well, thank
1: you for sharing. I know um, it's not always easy to to talk about things so personal. It's interesting you mentioned challenge because that's actually my next question. What What do you think was or has been your biggest life challenge and how did you overcome or, or persevere through that challenge and maybe even learn from it?
0: I'd say that this particular family health issue without a doubt is the, absolutely the biggest challenge in my life that's ever, curveball has ever been thrown my way, hands down, nothing even compares to that. So you can either get consumed by it, it can destroy you and it can destroy a family. And it's been a lot of work trying to how to see through, how to put the pieces back together. A lot of research, to be honest, a lot of some of this entrepreneur thinking came through this mm. process and my exploration into this area of how to deal with this. So that'd be on a personal level, and I certainly would say, you know, on a business side was the success that we had with US. Web. There were many times that we literally, I wasn't sure how I was going to make payroll in two weeks. Mm. There were many times that company should have been, you know, <laughs> never saw the light of day. And, you know, we found a way through every challenge. And it's, it's always basically this guiding light of always believing in yourself and putting every ounce of your energy and being into making that successful, that grit component that we talked about. And you know what? There's no such thing as failure in life even if that particular startup, and I've had many failed startups, like what I learned from those, both on a business and a personal level, those, those lessons were invaluable. I learned more from those than the successes that I had. So, you know, I I don't like to use the word failure. I like to use maybe things didn't go as planned, but if you have the right mindset and can extract the learning from it, you can't teach that in school.
1: Yeah, no, no, for for sure. You you can't. And, and when you, when I think about how we develop ourselves, one of the things that I know is is important to you is books, and you're an avid reader. I I already have downloaded three books just since <laughs> us starting to have the dialogue and 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 me learning more about the work you're doing, including the Sixth Extinction, and of course, Blue Mind, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, I I researched David, David Eagleman, and so you know, clearly books have played an important role in your own development as they should. And any, you know, leaders or readers, they say, but let me ask you this. If you, if you have a book that you've recommended more than any other book, what book would that be?
0: You're going to be shocked by what I have to say, but hands down, unquestionably, there's a book that was published. I want to say in the early seventies, I think I was maybe 10 or 11. My dad read it, said it was the most amazing book to this day, it is the most amazing book. I recommend it to my daughter. She recommends it to a bunch of friends, and it's called Cain and Abel. I don't know the author's name is off the top of my head, but it was, uh, it's, not, it's not the biblical Cain and Abel, but it's the most amazing story of two twins and the life that they lead. It's enchanting, mm. it's exotic, it's exhilarating, and I think your readers, if they crack that book we'll be blown away.
1: I love it. Thank you. Great, great suggestion. Uh, I haven't read it, but I absolutely will. Okay. Uh, who is the most inspirational person in your life and why?
0: Does it have to be one?
1: No, give me a few.
0: Okay. So I, I the people that are inspirational to me are those that have a, what I'll call it, a righteousness about them, that they have courage, they have conviction, they're willing to go against the grain. They're willing to put everything on the line to do the right thing. So with that template, there's many folks that I think live up to that. I think Abraham Lincoln, who took on a slavery and a super unpopular topic, ended up being on, on the right side of history, took a stance that took courage, that took conviction to do the right thing at no matter what cost, ended up getting assassinated over it. Martin Luther King, Jesus Christ, Siddhartha or Buddha even LBJ with the civil rights movement. People like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk, who are focused on doing great things and changing the world. So it's those that I think have the courage and the conviction and do things for the right reason at whatever cost. Those are the people that inspire me.
1: You know, it's interesting. I couldn't help but think of Elon Musk when we had the conversation about childhood and having unlimited thinking. And you even mentioned Jeff Bezos as someone who tries to channel his inner six-year-old. Because you know... No limits when you're that age. And and kind of like Elon Musk's attitude and approach to life, whether that be first principles thinking or just having the type of attitude that anything truly is possible, it's refreshing and way too rare. So let me ask you this. If you had the opportunity to spend an hour with anyone, living or dead, who would it be and why?
0: Mm, wow. That's another great question. I probably would... I'm going to take our man Jesus Christ. I just think he at least from the New Testament, the types of things that he did, his thinking was so progressive. Mm. And I just think there's such an interesting individual who pushed the right agenda and the right message and was crucified because of that. So god, he's he seems like someone super interesting that I'd love to have a, have a cup of coffee
1: Wouldn't with. Wouldn't that be interesting? Take <laughs> take Jesus Christ For sure. to the Starbucks. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. He's a a bit
1: ahead (laughs) of his time. Okay. So if you had the chance, Toby, what would you tell your 20-year-old self?
0: I would tell my 20-year-old self to slow down and see all the complexity and all the beauty of life and nature. And was 20-year-old Toby was really impatient, single track, single threaded guy. And again, I don't regret that. I I don't regret anything. It made me who the person that I am, but- Toby were 20, hey, man, I want you to slow down a little bit. I want you to wear more of a creative hat. You don't have to be have this goal accomplished, this goal accomplished, this by this time. And I just think that's advice that I would take knowing what I know.
1: Mm, that's good. Well, you have the self-awareness now. That maybe you didn't have then about kind of the pace that you were going and maybe even the lack of creativity that existed in in your 20 year old self okay so if you could share who your greatest mentors are and and what you've learned from them as you've led your life i'm sure you've learned from a ton of different people who stands out in your mind as as some of your most important mentors
0: there was an awesome director at ashton tate who was one of the best mentors his name was walter Feigenson. And I had just been promoted into a product management position. He saw something in me and he was just so talented and so creative and taught me so much. As a matter of fact, I remember the four key principles that he told me a good product manager has to be to be successful. And it was to be forceful, to be organized, to be a product champion, and to be a perfectionist. So without a doubt, one of the best mentors that I had. Early on in my career at Coleco, George Kish, who worked at Atari, who gave me the advice to uh, move into a product management role, given where I wanted to go. And I so believed in me, saw something in me. I cultivated you know, that relationship, that, that mentorship. Mm-hmm. Clearly, Richard Leakey is an icon, another sort of great mentor that you know, really opened up my eyes to the order of magnitude existential threat climate change Poses for us today, and more importantly, future generations to come, certainly Elon, uh, Lyndon Rive. And to be honest, man, like I every place that I've had the opportunity to to work and build these amazing relationships with, like if you open up your mind, you can learn something from everybody. Mm-hmm. I learned so much working with you, many folks in your department, that time that I spent there, where I am at Autodesk right now. So there's definitely some big standouts that we talked about, but you can learn from anybody and everyone if you have the right mindset.
1: That's right. It just staying open and not not prejudging, not assuming that you you can't learn from those that report to you, or those that report to the person that reports to you, or those that your peers. You, you could learn from everyone if you're open minded. Toby, you've had so many life achievements. You're you know obviously a father, a grandfather. You've started successful billion-dollar businesses, (laughs) taken them public. You've lectured at one of the most prestigious universities in the world. And so you have a lot, not only to be grateful for, but to be proud of. What stands out as the achievement that you're most proud of?
0: Hmm. I would have to say, hands down, is the most amazing family that I have. How much they believed in me, how much they supported me, how much they've loved me! What an amazing gift! And I just am so proud of my two daughters and my wife, the people that they've uh, turned into me, especially my daughters. And hands down, that's the thing I'm most proud of.
1: Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I feel the, I feel the same way about my my family. So we're nearing the end here, and we've learned so much about you. Uh, and I know, you know, obviously, we're all deep, rich, unique, dynamic individuals and human beings, and we could spend you know, countless hours really dissecting and understanding who we all are. But I know we've gotten a, a great view of, of who Toby Corey is. What haven't we learned? What may surprise this audience about you that hmm. we haven't let, yet learned?
0: Well, let's see. I let out a few secrets, right? The impact that Saturday Night Fever had on my life. The I fact love that, that I by took, the way. The fact that I took disco dance lessons was a First half of my high school year, pretty nerdy on the chess team. I wrestled. All the wrestlers were the weird kids in school. Uh, Crazy enough to do some cage fighting and (laughs) learn from a four-time UFC world champion, Frank Shamrock. Let's see here, want to be world class surfer. I've been surfing to in Indonesia and all over the world. What other thing would I say that would surprise you? Obviously, I'm massively competitive i you know when I didn't start playing golf till I was in my forties. I really sucked at it and then took some lessons and I have three hole in one, so that was that's been pretty cool. Probably more luck than anything else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if you take enough shots, it will happen
0: yeah, as I mentioned in my my Stanford talk like. To say how much I despised philosophy and physics in school would be an absolute um, understatement. Like, absolutely hated it. And I'm so excited and passionate and voracious reader now and philosophy. I journal a lot about some of my philosophical readings and the study and, and the quantum mechanics area. So um, that's a bit of a shock, folks, that knew me. I hated school growing up. It sucked. I was always a shitty test taker. I laugh and say that if you took my Stanford you took my SAT scores and double that I wouldn't get in there as a student. Yeah. So good lord, man. It's probably a bunch of other deep dark secrets. We'll save that for another show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I Love it. Okay. So here we go. We we we've learned so much about you. One thing that that stood out to me as I I looked at the information that you have on zentrepreneur.life is the concept of what indelible mark are you creating? And you mentioned it on the show. And so let me ask you, Toby. What indelible mark are you most proud of creating?
0: Hmm. You know, I, I think the, the indelible mark that I think I would love to leave or represent is to always follow your dreams and challenge yourself to do the impossible.
1: It's a great feeling to know that you have truly unlimited potential and far too people feel that way. And it saddens me, actually, when I, when I see and hear people that either make excuses or compromise or don't truly believe what they're capable of. Because if they did, they would be able to achieve so much more. Last question, Toby. Anything else that you want to share with the listeners, knowing who the audience is? Um, I'm sure they've relished the opportunity to get to know you better. But last words, anything else you want to share before we wrap up?
0: Uh you know what man I want to thank you for allowing me to come on your show leading off with me it, honestly it's a super humbling experience I'm inspired that you're venturing off to start your own media company I love the idea I love the concept I know for a fact you're going to be successful because you're so incredibly talented and it really is an honor and a privilege to be on your show today I think you're going to be delivering an incredible product that's going to deliver so much wisdom and insights into your viewers. I think it's going to be one of the hottest media properties in the innovation and entrepreneurial and disruption space. And I wish you the very, very best. Thank you for the time to share my story, share some of my insights. And you know what, man, I would just, you hit the nail on the head. I'd leave your audience members with, there's truly nothing you can accomplish in life that you don't set your mind to it. And stop focusing on the reasons you can't and on the reasons that you can, and take that initiative, put that foot forward, put yourself out there, experiment, try things, have some setbacks in your life, find those times where you're your most challenged or your most vulnerable use that jujitsu reverse that power and turn that into the most amazing success of your life.
1: Well, thank you so much for being on the show, for being my first guest, for being both a friend and a mentor and somebody that I so deeply value as a person to have in my life. Uh, I've learned so much from you not only through our working relationship but through this experience and and I hope to continue to to learn and 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 have the opportunity to grow and and be as you know a rich, full life as I could possibly lead, thanks to to yourself and, and the and the example that you've uh, provided. So, Toby, thank you, and and really, really appreciate it.
0: Billy, you're too kind. You're a gentleman and a scholar. It truly was an honor, and uh, I look forward to watching this show explode.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Insight Out. I hope you enjoyed the show and I really hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in your career, in your business, or in your life. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform. This is extremely helpful and I can't tell you how much I would appreciate it. Also, if you haven't checked out our website yet, you can find us on the interweb at insightoutshow.com. On the site, you'll find tons of great content, including all of our podcast episodes, videos, blog posts, and the all-important link to support this show through Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's an amazing platform that helps creators gain the support they need to continue creating. And remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.
0: ba ba ba